Good morning. Welcome to my podcast. This is Pastor Edwin. Today we we're going to talk about a segment that we had recorded prior to this one. Um, we were in First John, the book of First John, and we were going over things at, from the the uh, Gospel of John, not not John the Baptist, but the first epistle of John. Um, and we spoke about in chapter one that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. And if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. I mean, you can go back and, and um, you can go back and check this one out in this segment of where, why were you recreated? Why were you created? So when you listen to that, listen to the parts where we talk about um, and also read in First John chapter 1. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him, one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ. His son cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So that's clarity to the questions that's been asked to me, Pastor Edwin. What about what is going on here in chapter three? Is there a contradiction when when it says that whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness? And this is chapter three, verse four, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he um, was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Verse six: Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. So he's talking about here that you, um, you're reborn, you're new creation in God, then you would not sin. See, so it sounds like a contradiction, but it's, it's actually a confusion. Uh, it can confuse a lot of people. It's not that God's creating a confusion or the Bible is. It's how you're perceiving it. So let's take our time right now for a second and um, let's reveal what it is exactly that he's talking about here when we read verse 7, chapter 3, verse 7, 1 John. Little children, let no one deceive you. Uh, he who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God, born again, does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. So in verse 9, also, it could trip you up if you're not understanding what he means by being born again. So that mean, does that mean when you're baptized... So does that mean when you're baptized as a Christian now, a believer, you will not sin? So the Bible tells us that, you know, um, if we do not admit that we're sinners and we're lying, right? We know that we're sinners. But see, this is what he's talking about. When we fall out, we don't want to sin, in other words. As a, uh, a born again, you're changed inside you're a new creation now you're serving christ you're you don't want to sin and this is the difference there's a part of and i've spoke about this before in a different teaching where we intentionally sin because we want to sin and we unintentionally sin not wanting to sin but we fall into it um there's things that we fall into as far as our thoughts our daily thoughts 
uh, that lead us into those types of things. And, and if we don't have God in us, then we fall into that temptation. We end up sinning intentionally as we want, right? So here, everyone who commits sin practices lawlessness. When you sin, you're a lawbreaker, right? It's, it, it's an act of rebellion against God. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you sin one time or 10,000 times. This is why the Son of God came to take away sins. And only He is qualified for the job because there is no sin in Jesus. There's no sin in Him. So these verses have confused many people. So, like I said, let's clear it up. All right. If John is saying that Christians do not sin at all, then no one is saved. Even on your best Holy Spirit-led day, you still sin. In considering this passage, we need to remember that John is communicating. He's saying to the Christians about how to have intimacy with God. And there is a key word, intimacy with God. I mean, there's no one, we are not perfect. We won't be perfect till Christ comes and takes us. And then we go into perfection, right? Everyone who remains in him does not sin. And John said, there's no sin in Christ. There is no sin in Christ, and this is truth. Therefore, we, whoever remains or abides in him does not sin either. We're called to remain in him. So the problem is this. When we sin, it's because we're not remaining in Christ. We're not remaining in Christ. If we don't continue reading our Bible, like I was saying, and, and, and you listen to that segment again, and if you don't stay in the Word of God, if you don't stay close to the Lord, it's not just going to church, because church is, uh, you know, church today, you have to go on fire, uh, already ready to, ready to worship and praise God while you're there and receive the Word, okay? But when you go there, it's also to uplift one another. That's what church is about, to uplift one another, to help each other out in this, okay? Because there's days, I mean, you can not go to a church, but you're the only one that when you arrive at church that somebody's looking for and knows that just with your presence and smile and laughter and love, that because of God in you and sharing that love with them, they are uplifted for that day. And truly, yeah, there's, they, you know, it's Christ in us. So that's what they're seeking for Christ. So until they, new Christians start to learn how to become intimate with God, then they will come to those that are more aware. But we also have to be careful because the Bible tells us not to be deceived. John tells us, my children, my, my children do not be deceived. Okay. And we have to be careful with that as well. So let's continue on into this clarification of as to why people feel that um or misunderstood this when in verse 9 says whoever has been born of god born again does not sin so and then you have some the bible and john uh, uh apostle paul is talking about that we all sin that we all fall short that we all sin okay here we go so the problem is this right we sin is because we're not remaining in christ and John says, everyone who has been born of God does not sin. The reason is because God's seed remains in him. If anyone is in Christ, Paul says, he is a new creation. When you place your faith in Jesus, Paul says in 2 Corinthians, when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, God gave you new life, which John describes as God's seed. Every Christian is born again. This new spiritual life or seed is from God. So it is pure and sinless. That is the truth. What we have received is pure and sinless. Okay, why then do we still sin in thought, word, and deed, even though we'd prefer not to? 
because the old part of us, which Paul calls our unredeemed humanity, the flesh, and I've spoken about the flesh and self, how it wants to, it's still contaminated with things of the world, contaminated with evil, because before we became born again, before we were born again, our lives, you could be 40 years old, okay? For example, you're 40 years old, for, for 40 years before you surrendered to Christ, you lived in sin, so your soul is used to that. It's it's embedded in it. It's saturated in the life of sin. So the soul, your flesh, okay, uh, um, loves it. Your flesh likes it. It feeds your soul, you know. But the spirit in us is fighting and saying no, no, no. But until we start feeding the spirit in us and, and speaking to it and speaking against our flesh and speaking and letting our soul learn from the spirit and not the flesh. We will not rise up. We will not entirely be born again. You see, but when you surrender to Christ and become born again, now there's a seed planted in you that, that strengthens the spirit, okay, to want to receive more, to want to learn more about God, that wants to draw near and closer and, be, and, and want to know more. That's why this is how you know when someone is a, a false convert, because they do not want to draw near to God. They don't want to continue to learn more about God. They sit there on the side and say, well, I know. Oh, I know. I already know that. Instead of saying, I cannot know everything of God. Uh, and not in this lifetime or any at all. I just cannot learn it all in one setting. I have to submit. My spirit wants to know more. It hungers for it. For instance, when Christ... um uh, um died on the cross why did he why did he ask why did he say i thirst the part where he talked about that i thirst was not that he was thirsty where the guard thought he was thirsty and, and lifted up something that, that that sponge full of mirror and right wanted him to drink but he he didn't accept that that's not what he was talking about he was talking about he thirsted for the presence of the father he thirsted for for uh, um fellowship with god Feeling that presence of God, that Shekinah glory of God's presence with him right there. Because he, at that moment in time, he, he now received all the sins of the world on top of his shoulders. So as we know, God is holy. He doesn't look upon sin. Okay, he can't be in the same presence as sin. So he turns away to not destroy us. There's so, many evidence, so much evidence in the Bible where God turns away from us. In order to save us, in order to save the people that he loves, his children. So he turns away because of his holiness will destroy us, will overcome us and kill us, you see. So in this, when Jesus Christ said, I thirst, it was because of the presence of God. So I wanted, I want you to, I said that because I want you to understand how when we're not, our spirit inside of us feels the same way. And this is when we fall into conviction see a christian that falls into conviction because he has um stepped away from christ he has not kept uh he did not remain christ in him like it says here john says everyone who has been born of god does not sin okay born of god because of that seed that perfect seed and the reason again is because god's seed remains in him so God gave you new life, which John, descri John describes as God's seed. Every Christian is born again. This new spiritual life or seed is from God. So it is pure and sinless. 
So we ask him the question again, why then do we still sin in thought, word, and deed, even though we'd prefer not to, because the old part of us, that flesh, is still contaminated by sin? So Paul wrestles with this in Romans 7, 13 through 25. And if I didn't start off, this is a quote, um, this is a quote from Tony Evans. And I continue his quote. It says, Paul wrestles with this in Romans 7, 13 through 25. The new life of Christ is planted in us in seed form, but we still bear the damage of sin in our souls. Exactly how I explained to you. When Christ returns, the flesh will be completely eradicated and we will be without sin. Until then, we must continually repent of sin, submit to God's word, and walk with the Spirit so that the seed of the new divine nature may grow. End quote. Exactly the reason why when John says, whoever has been born of God does not sin. It doesn't mean now that you're a new creation, you're without sin. No, you will be with sin because of your flesh. You're still battling that flesh. You're not intentionally sinning. And the difference of that, as I explained before, is uh, you're driving up the road and suddenly the a red light kicks on and you're already crossing it oh my goodness i ate the red light you didn't intentionally eat that red light okay and a lot of times you know if you're in the things of the lord and that happens to you you don't get pulled over i mean there could be a cop right there and i'm i testify to that because i mean unintentionally i didn't want to eat a red light and there was a cop there i'm thinking oh my goodness is he gonna pull me over and as i look in the mirror no he did not you see, it's almost like, woohoo, praise God, covering of God, you know, evidence right there, the covering of God. You know, uh, on another, in another standpoint, you would have gotten pulled over, you know what I mean, just to give you a harder time in your life. Hey, let's see how further we're going to go down this drain, right? That's what a lot of people think about. And even, even I, there was a time in my life that way also, but we're talking about remaining in God, in Christ, keeping Christ in us. But we, and the way we do that is through a life of repentance because we are sinners. We are sinners. I mean, I'm not going to go and, and set everything up and plan it. If you go and plan everything up to create a sin, all right, to intentionally sin and then come back and ask for repentance, then, you know, okay, true repentance is not doing it again. But if you continuously doing it again, then you're not living in repentance. You're not living a repetitive life. You're living a life in sin. And you're playing around with God, you see? And in that part, when you don't stop doing the sin, then therefore, you come out of the covering of God and you are vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy because you stepped out from the covering of God. Okay, so it's imperative. The imperative love, in, in verse 10, in this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. And there it is. He starts to clear it out for you in verse 10, chapter 3. If you're not in God and you're not practicing righteousness, and what is practicing righteousness? What is practicing righteousness? Following the commands that God has given us. His law. How to love, how to do things, how to how, uh, uh, how to come against evil, calling it for what it is. You see, not sinning intentionally, fighting against your flesh that is contaminated, 
constantly reaching out, listening to the word, preaching the word. And there's a greater thing. See, God didn't make bring you, and I've spoken this before, all brothers and sisters that have come from a world of um, uh, a drug abuse or alcohol abuse, substance abuse, something, anything that kept you from God, whatever type of ab abuse that we did in our lives. And, and God has pulled you out of the pits of hell. Now listen to that, out of the pits of hell, because you know, as well as I do, if you went through some type of addiction, at one point in your life, you were in hell, in that pain and suffering being tired of being sick and tired right to the point where you you say all right i'm powerless i can't do this no more until you get a little bit of strength under your feet and you say all right i'm feeling better now you're talking and and walking around and bouncing around and feeling alive again but you're missing one thing and that is that seed that's planted inside of us of jesus christ you see the spirit needs to receive that in order to continue moving forward but it isn't about and God didn't save us and pull us out of the pits of hell so that for we can turn around and go, all right, and go into our own uh, um, into our own lives again and start refreshing our lives as far as uh, getting a new car, a new house, a, a new spouse, and get married and have children, and have a life of peace, and and still attending church. That's not, oh, see, that's not why you were pulled out of the pits of hell. You had that chance in the beginning, just as I did, and we threw it away by choosing to live a life in sin to the point where we became helpless in the pits of hell, drowning in the, in the lake of fire, I want to say, you know, drowning in the sinful life that when Christ reached his hand in and pulled us out of it, he placed us somewhere. He placed us at a table somewhere where we can heal. Somewhere where we can say, oh my goodness, you know, I've been wrong all this time and what's going on? My whole life has been shook up. And the truth is that your life has been shook up to serve him now, to seek him. Just like the rich ruler, think about the rich ruler for a moment when he said, how do I earn my way into the kingdom? And God and Christ first said to him, well, follow the commandments of the law. And he said, I've done these things, right? And I'm paraphrasing. Uh, he said, I've done these things. Uh, um, he said, all right, well, then sell everything that you have. Give up everything, everything that you have. He didn't say, just sell your money. Get rid of your money and your possessions. He said, get rid of everything, all of your possessions, everything that's yours, give it up. Okay. Now, in the Bible also says where Christ says that he has come. He has come to create division. And what type of division? It's not a division as the enemy in the world would create among us, but a division where, where um, following Christ, if you, once you accept Christ, you're at this table, and you accept Christ, and you start to serve him, here comes the division. You see, in your mind, you already have to place the dead you, because now you've been born again, You'd have to place the dead you into a coffin and, and set them off. In fact, start covering it up. Put everything that was of that person in there because it's no more. It's dead. That person is dead no more. So now you put him in that coffin. You bury everything that he has and you bury it. You forget about it. You have. I've told brothers and sisters before, you have pictures of old you, burn them, get rid of them. That's not you anymore. You're a new creation in Christ. And you have to think this way and believe it in order for you to receive what it is that God is showing us. And how is it that we reached a point in our lives, in our walk, where Christ manifests himself to us?
if we continue to hold on to little things of the past or think that this was just a hospital and you came and got better. Now you go back and start your life all over again. But, uh-oh, I'm going to try to hold on to God, you know. But you don't need to try to hold on to God because God's got us. And that the point here is that serving Christ and not serving Christ. John says here, whoever has been born of God does not sin for his seed remains in him. That seed remains in you so you will not intentionally sin. But if you start to venture off and you get yourself a girlfriend or a boyfriend, what are you going to do? You're going to fall into sin. Tell me you're not. I mean, I'm not saying everyone will, but there is temptation. You know, and it's okay to be tempted. But when you fall into that temptation and create a sin, now you're going to be convicted by that because you have a seed that was planted inside of you, you see. So let me not go too far off from my point. Because I don't want you to get confused by this. Alright? I don't want you to get confused by this. When we draw near to God, when Christ said to the rich ruler, pick up your cross and follow me. That means there's going to be some stuff. It's going to be heavy. Not burdensome, but it's going to be heavy, you see. It's not going to be an easy walk. But we are to serve Christ. We were pulled out for a reason, placed at a table to be renewed, to come to know God, to come to know who He is in our lives, and to serve Him, learn how to serve Him, how to become a discipled believer, discipled believer. So therefore, you can go and disciple others. Did Christ lie when He when He set out the commission and said, go out and make disciples of everyone in the world, everyone of all nations, everyone. So when you were saved, were you uh, um, excused from this? When you were born again, were, was, were you excused from doing this commission, you know, taking on the commission? Where you said, all right, uh, everyone but you? No. All of us that were born again and saved, this is our duty. This is our duty as true believers. You see, now we become warriors of Christ. We set forth on the path, the righteous path that was created for us to follow because we screwed everything up before you see what i'm saying now we've got to let go of all those things and sometimes yes some men and women will tell you right now they have succeeded because they did not return to the old they did not return to the old when you return to the old the struggle is real it's going to hit you smack in the mouth it's going to be in your life it's going to cause you to struggle and possibly even relapse and if you're not strong enough and you relapse okay you're going to end up staying in that hole and that hole there's a liar sitting there with you telling you hey man everything's going to be all right don't worry about it you know you can do this and this and this and that just stand here with me i'll talk to you a little longer you're not alone Look, that guy's a liar, okay? That guy's a liar. And we all know who the father of lies is, right? So then, therefore, you'll know who's in the hole with you. I've told guys, there's a light now shining, all right? And you have to focus on Jesus, on what he wants you to do. If it's in ministry, whatever it is, there's people that stay, like I talked about in my last segment, where, you know, there's some brothers that'll, or sisters that'll say, well, this is what the Lord gave me. It's not just all that. You have more work to do. And that is reaching out, reaching out to those that do not know God. And even those that think they know God. You see what I'm saying? There's certain spirits. You can tell a difference. I told you already. You can tell a false convert. If you follow Christ wholeheartedly, you're in his word.
You see, it's not to act like we know it all, but it's to know what we need to know when we're confronted. Remember, the enemy knows the enemy knows the word of God. He knows scripture and he can take us to a place we don't want to be. Okay? But also, as John says in chapter 4, I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 16, uh, um, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? We talked about that before, right? Because we were talking about the love of God in us and so forth. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if your heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do not do and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Again, intentionally sinning is not pleasing to God's sight. It's not pleasing to him, okay? It is not pleasing to him at all. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. And how do we love one another if we're not going to them and, and, and spreading the word, talking Jesus? How many times after a sermon or after a service at church have you seen gatherers come together and start talking about what was just preached it's very rare. It's very rare, okay, that you see two people come together or three and they start talking about, man, did you hear what he said? I remember, you know, oh, wow, I received this and I felt this way. It's very rare that you meet someone that starts to talk to you about what they just received from that sermon that was just heard. Think about that for a moment. Okay, when you go to church this coming Sunday or Wednesday Bible study and you and you hear the word of God right after, are we talking about what we just received? Are we talking about what that preacher was was given to us, that that manna from heaven, that spiritual food? And that's what it is. Remember, if we don't feed the spirit, it's not going to grow strong to fight against that flesh. And therefore that flesh will continuously continuously Invite your soul to sin intentionally, you know, and you look around and you ask yourself, am I still smoking this cigarette? Oh, that's a big one there because you know, you know, one of the commandments is thou shalt not kill, right? So that's what, I mean, think about that. Thou shalt not kill. And also, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if you understand these things, you're going to think about that and want to not smoke. You're not going to take that chance. You're not going to take the chance. Oh, no, Pastor Edmund, but what about, you know, whatever goes into the mouth does not defile the man. We're not talking about that. We're, that that's a different thing. You know, you're putting something into your body, into your flesh that's going to kill you. You see what I'm saying? What's going to kill you? The reason why that came out is because you got to live in this world of sin. 
So when you walk into a store and you hear somebody blaspheming and talking nasty, you have ears. You can't help but to hear that. Now you have to go and pray to get them things out of your mind and your heart so it does not fester. You see what I'm saying? So those things came in and did not defy you because you listened to it or you saw it. But if you're intentionally listening to it and you're intentionally watching those things, then you're intentionally sinning. You're coming against God and he's not pleased with that. But if you're in a place where those things are just coming out, you remove yourself. In a store, you can't help it. You got to go to the store and buy things, but you're not going to go into a bar, you know, and sit there and try and talk this when you know you can't, you can't be in there because you're going to get tempted to drink. It's the same thing. You don't go into a place and hang out with people that are talking nasty and talking bad. That's why when you're in a rehab, you don't even talk about war stories because those war stories bring you back into what? A thought of, of sin. So therefore you're being tempted to do that sin again. So you come from this. You pray to God to keep your mind, to clear your mind and your heart from those things that you hear. What if you repeat it because you didn't clean, you didn't ask, you didn't pray to, to get it received, uh, taken out, I mean, if you don't pray to get it taken out of your heart, if you don't pray to receive, take it out of your mind, and you let those things fester in you, if you get angry, let's say you hit your thumb with a, with a hammer by the mistake, blah! Those words come out of your mouth because you kept them there. Now you have defiled yourself by those things. And there's so much more teaching into the defilement of things that come out of men's mouths, uh, or even women's mouths out of our mouths, okay? But if, like I said, if you're still smoking, you got to ask that question. Am I doing what God, what pleases God? I mean, picture that. You picture Jesus Christ standing next to you having a cigarette with you because he's with you. How about the Holy Spirit? You picture that too? No. You think about that when you take a puff of that cigarette and you're saying, I follow Christ. And these things are, 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 are legit, man. It's truth. I know through experience, I know that you can give it up. When you believe in these things, you believe that it's not, God didn't give you tobacco. You're used to that as an excuse saying, oh, well, you know, I'm in a rehab, so I get to smoke cigarettes and have this and that because it calms my heart. I'd rather do this and the other thing. No, it's not about that because... That's a cop out and excuse. You're a born again Christian, then all those things of the old are gone. And you start to think about that. Did you bury this? Did you bury all those things? And did you bury that tobacco along with it? Thank you. I love you and God bless you. Remember, pray in the name of Jesus.